episode 23 of the 412 Double Play Podcast. Today is October 9th. I am your host, Michael Castrogano. Joining me is my co-host and brother, Steve Castrogano. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Um, doing all right. Already starting to miss baseball. I wasn't... <laughs> knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I mean, wasn't the best season overall, but there's a lot of reasons to be excited um doing this podcast this past year has really reinvigorated my um optimism i guess in the team long term even <laughs> seeing loss after loss there was a couple months where it was really bad but a lot of promise a lot of promise in the team so let's kick this off looking at our final roster roundup for the week on the season on october 3rd right-handed pitcher luis ortiz was optioned down to Indianapolis. Right-handed pitcher Nick Mears was recalled, becoming the 68th Pirate to play the season. New franchise record, second most all-time behind the 2021 Cubs with 69. October 4th, right-handed pitcher Rowan DeContreras and catcher Jose Godoy were optioned as the Bucks recalled infielder slash outfielder to Peter Marcano and activated right-handed pitcher JT Brubaker off the 15-day injured list. And finally, on October 6th, as regular season wrapped up, some players were eligible for free agency ahead of the postseason. The following players were eligible for an elected free agency since they were in the minor leagues and not currently on the 40-man roster. Pitchers Austin Bryce, Tyler Beatty, Dylan Peters, Eric Hanhold, Gerard Eikhoff, and Cam View. Position players Michael Chavis, Josh Van Meter, Greg Allen, and Taylor Davis. Doesn't mean that they will not resign with the Pirates, just that at this time they're able to negotiate and sign with any organization. So uh, a lot of these moves don't really mean anything right now, but any thoughts on um, any of those moves, specifically, I guess, with the players that are now technically free agents? I mean, not really. I don't Expect a lot of them to still be on the team. Uh, Cam View's a name. He, he just got kind of a bad experience with the Pirates. And oh I God. want to see more of him to make a judgment, but I, I don't know. And then I think we all loved Chavis, but I, I don't think he's that critical I, to the team. So Yeah, I liked him defensively, and uh, I feel like I'm saying it every week. He's good when he's not playing every day. He definitely mm-hmm. saved Cruz a ton of errors playing at first base. Yeah. But he's not like we need somebody better than his production at first base. Can't just be in a defense. Um the yeah, on the I pitchers, agree. Austin Bryce, he was a filler. Tyler Beatty, they put him in the starting role and he just couldn't recover from that. Peters I'm iffy. Uh he he showed some decent like opener role activity handhold i don't think he didn't pitch for us this season eikhoff did and was terrible so uh it's not a lot lost there and they were all just kind of depth options at this point so is what it is like i said there's going to be other guys who will be picked up this off season that will be in that kind of filler roles like minor league signings um, who will be cycling in and out of the 40-man roster over the course of the season. 
Mm-hmm. Potentially. <laughs> it's just the nature of the game. But let's look at our final weekly recap of the 2022 season, finishing up the season at home against the Cardinals. Paced starter Mitch Keller against former Bucko Jose Quintana. Q was pulled after only three scoreless innings, replaced by Michael Miles Mikolas, who threw three innings of one-run ball. Keller had another great start, going five innings and only allowing two runs, but left the game without the lead. Luckily, the bullpen put up zeros the rest of the way behind Junior Fernandez, Manny Benuelos, Nick Mears, and Johan Ramirez, who notched the win following a bases-loaded walk-off walk by O'Neill Cruz. The bases were actually loaded all via walks. Next game was a slog as JT Brubaker, fresh off the IL, struggled, allowing three runs in just 2.2 innings. Bryce Wilson replaced him and initially was cruising, but ran into some trouble after allowing three runs in 3.1 innings, leaving with the lead as the Bugs put up seven runs against the card's spot starter, Dakota Hudson, earlier in the game. Unfortunately, some defensive miscues led to a few unearned runs. Game ended up in extra innings. Cards got a run on the top of the 10th, but a, we'll say, curious send of Kevin Newman from second on a hard-hit cruise ball to second base led to the Pirates squandering a chance to tie and eventually lost the game 8-7. to seven. Newman was thrown out at home. Um, the ball was hit to the second baseman. He bobbled it. Cruz managed to make it safely to first, but Newman was thrown out at home. Sometimes those sends are curious is just the word I'm going to stick with here. Moving on, game 162 and a chance to win a series against the Cards in Pittsburgh for the first time in three years. Cards had lefty Matthew Libertori on the mound as the Bucks countered with Johan Oviedo. Ovi struggled a bit, allowing three runs to earned over just four innings of work, but Bucks managed to jump on Libertori late, striking for five runs behind multi-hit games from Diego Castillo and Miguel Andujar as the Pirates won 5-3, finishing one game better than last year with a 62-100 and record. Uh, any thoughts on getting to end the season with a winning... What uh, slightly better winning percentage, yes? Slightly better. Well, I was going to uh, say with <laughs> a winning, winning a series against the Cards. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think the, uh, the win against Wainwright last Sunday... Yeah, I think that was Sunday. Was that was a big great. win of the season for me. I yeah. really would have liked to win that second game. And like you mentioned, there were some kind of silly errors in the field. Sending Newman on that was also kind of weird. And I, I think we had a chance to actually go under 100. But, um, you know, improvement is improvement. And I, I like the way a lot of the young guys played. Yep. It was definitely a strong end to the season, getting to see guys like Bay come up. I'm not really sure defensively where his home is. He he made a couple errors, I think, this past week, maybe one or two. Um, Getting to see Cruz in the field, he's also struggling defensively with his throws. But when you've got a rocket launcher for arms, sometimes that is going to miss the target. Um, I think you'll, you'll, we get a lot of these young guys who come up with something to prove because our minor league system, as we'll talk about in a little bit, is so stacked. I think they see that competition. Maybe they overdo certain things. Like, you know, Bay trying to make that throw out at home. He doesn't have the arm for that. And Cruz constantly yeah. showing off how fast he can throw the ball. 
we know Cruz. You're a very impressive man. Just you, not everybody runs as fast as Bay does to first. You can take your time and throw it. Um, and I, I expect, I expect him most definitely to develop and minimize those errors because he, he, he takes a lot of pride in playing short. Yeah. And I think long term, that's where you want him to stick. We certainly have a lot of middle infield options. Uh, mm-hmm. discussed on the episode last week with Ed, that that's one of the strengths in this organization. But for the foreseeable future, if Cruz can stick it short and Castro can stick at second with the amount of power that those two can provide in that lineup and uh, just not even just hitting home runs, just how hard those guys hit the ball. And Castro, last year when he came up for um, – I think his first seven hits were all home runs, but he's been proving to be able to do more than just 10 home runs. He's got four triples and eight doubles on the season in just mm-hmm. 71 games, you know, added in 11 home runs. But it's definitely been uh, some progress with some of the younger guys. So let's segue that into our first of three specials for today, since we don't have farm system to talk about. And that's with the Fangraphs updated ranking. So Pirates came into the 2022 season with a top farm, a top five farm system per Fangraphs, with another high pick in the draft. Continued to build on that talent, even with graduations of Contreras, Cruz, Sawinski, Castillo, and Mitchell. Uh, Fangraphs recently updated their top prospect list. Pirates have six in the top hundred, with a seventh falling just outside at 101. That's the third most top 100 ranking behind only the Cleveland Guardians, who have eight, and the Baltimore Orioles, who have seven. So, those guys, as are pretty expected, 2022 first-round draft pick, Jamar Johnson. He's ranked overall at 27. Andy Rodriguez, catcher, made it all the way up to AAA to end the season. He's now number two in our organization per fan graphs. Big jump for him. He's outside the top 100 starting the season. He's up at 33 now, ahead of Henry Davis, the 2020, or excuse me, 2021 first round pick, 1-1 overall. He's ranked number 36 right now. Luis Ortiz made the big jump, started last season in Bradenton, was the opening day starter in Bradenton for 2021. He's now ranked 50th overall, fourth in the organization. Got some great stuff. He's our top pitching ranking. Quinn Priester. Uh, had some struggles, had some injury issues. He's dropped a bit, down to 88 overall, fifth in the organization. The over Paguero, 89, right behind Priester, sixth overall in the organization. I think that's about close to where he was preseason. And Nick Gonzalez, he's fallen off a bit. He's at 101, seventh in the organization. But that said, like this is a really impressive. All of those guys are ranked at 50 or higher future value. Steve, what, how do you feel like looking forward at the potential talent levels within this organization? Only one of those guys has made it to MLB and stuck. Aguero got a taste. He's, you know, finished the season in double uh, A Altoona. So there's, there's certainly going to be uh, more time for these guys to continue developing and, and shooting up those lists. Oh, yeah. I, I, very excited, especially after seeing, you know, Ortiz get a few stars and just look fantastic coming up so quick. 
Uh, I know he had a little bit of a rough start last Saturday before he got sent back down. Hopefully he doesn't let that deter him in any way. He's just extremely talented and deserves to be in that top hundred. Along with, you know, Indy and obviously Johnson. Can't say enough about him. He, he's just so incredibly talented. Yep, I was listening to a podcast featuring Spencer Smith. I think it was Bucks in the Basement. They have him on pretty regularly. A few weeks ago, he was talking about Johnson's swing and how smooth it is and his approach at the plate. Mm-hmm. And because he started off a bit slow at Bradenton, I think he didn't get a hit and struck out a bunch in his first couple games. And then he just caught fire. So yeah, it, he, it is. He's, he's got the right combination of being very confident and being calm and taking time with his approach. So. Uh, it's very impressive for a young man like that, uh, and you know, super excited to see him how quickly he can rise through the ranks now. Yeah, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he does start 2023 in Greensboro. Goes on a similar trajectory to what Davis was on because he was drafted. Mm-hmm. I think he may have just gone to like summer ball in 2021, and then uh, just completely skipped Bradenton. And went right to Greensboro for, um, well, no. I guess, I think he just went right to Greensboro that year. I'm trying to remember, even though it was just a year ago. But Andy Rodriguez, amazing season. I mean, he's clearly the all the MVP of the organization, minor leagues. So him and Ortiz both jumping up, becoming, you know, top seven, top six guys. Really top yeah. four guys for them. Henry Davis did go right to high. You After correct. he was, okay, yeah. Yep. So uh, it, it could be pretty quick that Johnson moves up. I mean, he's young. He's 18, but the the talent's there. And I could see him being eventually, I mean, like, you know, knock on wood, he could potentially be a top 10 prospect in all of baseball if he stays healthy and does what we know he can do. Mm-hmm. Would not surprise me. So. Well, there's the age. Yep. But <clears throat> Ortiz, by far most impressive in his first three games, because we're not going to look at that uh, game on October 1st, uh, he had a 1.17 ERA facing off against the Reds, Yankees, and Cubs. One of those teams is very dangerous, so 15.1 innings. Only two earned runs, only five hits, and 17 yes. strikeouts. Very impressive against those Reds. They are super dangerous. <laughs> yeah. The other teams. <laughs> not, not. I mean, the Yankees um, are just garbage. Yeah. It, it's but. not like all our other pitchers did terrible, and Ortiz was the one bright spot of that series or anything. Yeah. It's, it, it was. There's, there's been some interesting stuff going on this season. I think Ortiz is one of the bright spots, but that brings me to our second special of the day, and that's our season recap, where uh, we'll be discussing some surprises and disappointments within the team and organization as a whole in 2022. So, Steve, why don't you go first with um, a surprise or disappointment that you had following this season? Uh, I think the the biggest surprise for me was to see how 
aggressive and how much we continue to try to build that bullpen. I mean, we look at guys like, uh, I know early in the season we added Beatty and he did pretty well for a while, got pushed in the starter role, like you mentioned, didn't really yep. pan out. But then there were other guys like Banuelos, who's been just a stellar lefty. Um, Stevenson, we added, I think about a month ago, and he's been performing well. Holderman, yep. who we got in the Vogue trade, didn't get to right. see nearly enough of him, but he he definitely has some potential, and I believe he's ranked 17th in our organization. So, is that um, for Fangraphs or in Pipeline? Yeah. Yep. That is Fangraph. Well, 17 or 16, because Fangraphs for some reason has seven twice. Yeah, I still haven't figured that out. 17 or 18, I guess. His his future value is 40-plus, so I think that's a strong win. And I'm definitely excited to see him get healthy and get back into that bullpen and kind of add to that strength to see the Pirates making those movements and understanding where the needs are within the scope of the season instead of just entirely relying on the super talented farm system we do have. Yeah. It's nice to see that supplement. So not counting um, outings by position players like Bam Meter, Castillo pitching, we have 32 different guys pitch for us this season. And mm. I think we had uh, 10. Not name them all. Yeah. We're going to do the quiz. We're doing the quiz one of these days. 68 different guys. Um, 10 guys pitched at least 50 innings. So there, there was, there was a lot of innings to eat specifically early on in the season when Shelton was trying to have the starters go at most five innings and the bullpen had to take on a bigger portion of that burden. Like most of the guys in that top 10 are relievers or pitch primarily in relief at least. So, um, yeah, there was a lot that had to be taken on with them. And I think that the way Charrington handled it, there were some hits and some misses. And there's mm-hmm. certainly some guys who, uh, like Heath Hembry. I mean, that was a, a preseason minor league signing. I mean, he was awful. Um, but yeah, it, the, the consistent movement to make sure that we would get guys in there to eat innings. That was definitely a surprise. Uh, for me, I think some big surprises were guys who were under the radar, like Ortiz, we talked about before. He was like the 30th ranked prospect in the organization earlier this season. And now he's fourth, you know, per fan graphs. Uh, he's got electric stuff. He's only 23. I don't know if they're going to start next season with him in the rotation. Or if he's gonna Very go back to Indianapolis, yeah. Or if he's gonna go back to Indianapolis because you know. But uh, either way, he, that's a big bright spark spark in the organization that was unexpected. Uh, Jack Sawinski, he was part of the Adam Frazier trade from the Padres last year, and he was the like second part. Tuka Peter Marcano was supposed to be the big player there, and Sawinski came up and then hit. Well, tied for the most home runs hit by NL rookies this year with Michael Harris of the Braves, who's 
probably going to win the NL Rookie of the Year, finish top two. Um, so I think young guys coming up out of nowhere like that, those those were some big surprises. Um, yeah, yeah I, I wonder how much of a surprise it was for him, getting that call up right from AA, coming up, really filling that spot. Um, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Very, yeah. very good surprise there. And he had some struggles. I mean, if you look at just his home splits on the season, he's you know all-star caliber player. I don't know why he mm-hmm. can't hit on the road, but he, over the past couple weeks, was walking a lot more, was um, hitting for contact, like better contact. He's, he's getting more selective with his pitches. So every time he needs that, that beautiful skyline, that, that's what be. inspires him to play so well. Yeah, but he's always taking notes in the dugout after at bats. He's, he's I don't know what he's writing down exactly, but he's very studious, and I feel like he's going to continue improving. Uh, it's it's really cool to see. Um, so th- those are some surprises for me for the major league roster and the minor mm-hmm. leagues. I'm surprised at how well Endy has developed and somehow continued to get better with each level. Like, he went up to Greensboro to start the year and was better than he was at Bradenton. Then he went to Altoona, and he was better than he was at Greensboro. And he had that short stint at Indianapolis, and he was still doing great there. And not only offensively, but defensively proving that he might be our best catching option in the system and should be getting looks ahead of Davis. Because he just has better instincts behind the plate. Davis has a great arm, but I, I just feel like Andy is the better receiver and has had a great season. Um, other yeah. guys, Matt Gorski, he was on the lower rank side and he's had a great season up until his injury. He's playing in Arizona fall ball, so hopefully he gets to. I think he is. I think he got injured again, actually, so maybe he's not. Um, hopefully you can see something there. Um. Nick Gonzalez, after he came back from his injury, you know, early on in the season, it seemed like he was going to drop out of the 100 by a lot. But he was turning it around the last month or so. Seems legit. I'll talk about him a little bit, how he's doing in the Arizona Fall League. Um, so Quinn Priester, Michael Burrows, both have had great seasons. Awesome to see. Um. And then in like the lower levels, Sung Chi Cheng, Bradenton, he's great. Um, Dario Lopez, um, a lot of the guys were talking in the preseason about how they're going to become top 30 prospects and could be breaking like top 100 overall. And uh, I feel like they are still somehow underrated because they're both really talented guys. But. Uh, let's talk about some disappointments, and I'll start on this one because I'll be getting into specifics. I I was indifferent with the offseason re-signing of Yoshi Tutugo. I didn't feel like he was going to be anything great. He still kind of was. <laughs> it was really a disappointment. I thought he'd at least be like neutral, maybe get a couple home runs. Um, but he, he was pretty terrible. So that was disappointing. Oh, also Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller was a big surprise for the season, how he, he turned a corner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Can't forget about him. Last 
what, two months, just really turned it around. No, led the team in innings pitched, uh, was second in strikeouts behind just Brubaker, um, had, like, how many quality starts, which I know was a big thing for him, 13, led the team in quality starts with 13 out of, um, you know, 29 games started. Since he added the sinker to his arsenal, he just became a completely different pitcher. Awesome to see. Back to disappointments, though. Um, <laughs> cause there's, there's a lot of them. There was a lot of, um, Will Crow took a big step back. Could have been because of overuse. Just don't know if we see a future with him. Um, I, I was disappointed with some of the waiver claims that Charrington made. I feel like he was, there were some good pitcher claims that he made. And that's great. Like Stevenson, Banuelos, they became really excellent pieces. But yep. Van Meter was, an, uh, he was signed as a trade. He was traded. Uh, we traded Lister Sosa to the Diamondbacks for him before the season started. And he lasted way longer than he should have. Um, that, I, I agree. Stuff like that is really frustrating when you see that it's not working out and you've got young guys who can be potentially getting a shot. You know, yeah, he, he, for some reason, blocked Bay coming up for the longest time, and I, I don't know why, especially yeah. after seeing what Bay did when he finally got that call up. Like, Bay's a fire starter. It's so great mm-hmm. to have him. Like, he could be your leadoff guy, and he'll bunt, get to first, steal to second, and then you've got, you know, Reynolds up next to drive him in. You've got Cruz up next to drive him in. You're right. Bay should have been up sooner, but... Good God, he's he's so versatile and so fast. He's playing center field that last series. He could become the Very everyday center fielder, yeah. So that's that's really cool. But I'm not I'm not surprised by Bay because I had him <laughs> at least mid season as a top maybe I had him twelve or fifteen. I'll, I'll put that on my disappointment side. Dis on disappointed Disappoint he didn't they come earlier. Yeah. Um I was disappointed with the overall bullpen management by Shelton. I feel like early on in the season, he was pulling guys too early. He was putting in guys mm. that it, it wasn't the right call. Like, Hembry got way too many opportunities in crucial situations and blew them when everybody knew he was going to blow them. Yahoo pitched too many innings. He shouldn't be on the team. Um Banda, I'm sure, blew a bunch of games. So there, there were just a bunch of guys were, and then like the the way that uh, Cam View, he had one game, pitched like an inning, and threw what 58 pitches, something like that. Oh yeah, he had he had one really bad game where he he should have gotten pulled, and just kind of left out there dry. Yeah, uh, and that was unfortunate. And I, I was mad at Shelton at the time. So Shelton's done some good things. I feel like the players really like him. And now that we're starting to see the talent come up, it's going to be sink or swim for him in his last year of contract. Because I guess he's coming back for 2023, but definitely needs to um, make some in-game improvements with his mindset for those things. So looking down to the minor leagues, Matt Frazier, really big step back this season. Felt like... He had a lot of success last year, but most of it was down in Greensboro, jumped up to Altoona, was decent, but this past year, just nothing. Uh, another one, Jared Jones, 
was really hoping he'd take some big steps forward. He's got some great stuff, but he just cannot throw strikes sometimes. He ends up walking a ton of guys over, let's see, he's in his age 20 season, 26 games. He had, uh, let's see, 51 walks in, how many innings is that? 51 walks in, this is good, this is going great, 22 innings. So he's just walking way too many guys, giving up home runs, just looking at it all on my phone screen, so it's not looking great. His walks through nine is actually gone down, but he was giving up a lot of home runs. Maybe that's because I think he's pitching in Greensboro this year, right? But yeah, but it, yeah, I'm still not. And I've said multiple times, A ball is where you're just trying stuff. It's not until you get to double A that you need to start showing the results to be able to move up. But I would like to see more results. I feel like there's been a lot of games where he goes like four innings, gives up two runs, but he walked like six. So I'm just a little bit leery on that. I kind of wanted to see him have a bigger season than that. Yeah, I think he's – I mean, I don't know if he's risking getting stuck at um, high A for a while or if they're going to – try to move him up, see how he does at double A, but that is uh, definitely a disappointment. Yeah. Stuff-wise, though. gets frustrated, never lives up to that, uh, wherever he was on the fan graph. Yeah. he's Right now, they have him at nine. And I think mm-hmm. that he is a top-tier talent. He's still young. He's only 20. But I, I just want to see him put it together. Hopefully, yep. in double A ball starting next season. So... That's my surprises and disappointments. Any other disappointments you wanted to add? Oh, let's see. I think you missed a few names on your uh, um, guys we picked up that ended up staying on the team longer than they should have, like uh, Yu Chang and Collins. Kind of weird moves there, maybe slightly experimental that they probably didn't expect to work out. And clearly didn't. Um, uh, but I think my one of my biggest disappointments really was a lot of the the errors that were just huge double whammies. Yep. Like we've got runs coming in that are costing us games, and then it's costing us extra pitches. Like early in the season, Brubaker was just getting killed by poor defense he wasn't able to go I don't remember how many times he actually made it to five innings in the first month or so of him starting but uh, that that just really hurts and then we're wearing out the bullpen and it's this kind of domino effect so big disappointment something that I really hope gets cleaned up by a lot of these young guys coming up yeah, no, that's a good point. We're actually the worst in baseball in errors. We averaged 0.75 errors per game. Dead last. They're just the worst. Next was Washington with 0.64. So, yeah, that's definitely something that I hope that they work on. We have guys who are more prone to errors, like Cruz. Um, Hayes 
has a bunch of errors a season. So it's not like an entirely accurate metric to say like, oh, because this guy has a bunch of errors, he must be bad. Hayes leads the league in defensive runs saved. Like he, I'm disappointed that his offense didn't come together this season, but he's continuing to be great defensively. Like he should win the gold glove and potentially get the platinum glove. I was hoping that Stallings would get it last year, but um, hopefully we get a pirate brings it home this season because he's fantastic despite having, you know, a good number of errors overall. Yeah, for he just played a lot, so I don't think his error number is that exaggerated. Let's see, his defensive war is 3.0. I, I don't know where Arnado ended the season at, but I want to say Hayes is above him, but I'll have to double-check that. His season so. did just end because Cardinals got eliminated. Best of three series at home, and Phillies took both of the first two games, so. That is rough. I texted Ed last night. I was like, uh, before it happened, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm hoping Phillies can finish the cards off. He's like, I hate the Phillies. I'm like, they can lose next week. They got, <laughs> they got the Braves. They got to face the Braves. They could just take down the cards. Cards are dangerous once they, you can open them up. The, the, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I felt a little bad for, um, Molina. They were interviewing him after the game and they're like, Oh, how's it feel? You'll never be teammates with, uh, who holes again? I'm like, that's a, that's a rough question, man. Leave the guy alone be, for a little while. I don't he's like not gonna him be, at all. But. Yeah, but he's not going to be teammates with anyone because he's yeah. retiring. That's he's not – it's like saying, you know, how does it feel to not be teammates with Mike Trout? It's like he's not going to – what does that matter? I don't know. I That's don't know. dumb. It was a weird question. Yeah. All right. Well, it was – a difficult season with the Pirates. Like I said, lots of promise on the future, surprises to come. And with our Arizona Fall League update, the surprise Seguaros, no idea how to pronounce that, comprised of prospects from Pirates, Phillies, Royals, Rangers, and Astros currently underway. They've got four games under their belt. Uh, one of their top prospects for the Pirates, Nick Gonzalez, currently leads the team in OPS. He's got a 1.185 OPS, two doubles, a triple, six RBIs, and two walks to two strikeouts in 14 at-bats. That's a big thing to keep an eye on. He struck out a ton the past two seasons. That's been an issue for him. It seemed like he, when he was drafted, was not going to be a strikeout-heavy guy. Had that Mike Trout-type swing, even though Trout strikes out a good amount. Want to see some power develop. Leads the team in RBI. And uh, Henry Davis, also on the team, in three games, he's had eight at-bats. And he is batting 250, 462, 500, three walks to three strikeouts with two doubles of his uh, five. Oh, excuse me. Oh, both of his hits. He's got two hits, both doubles, and five runs with two RBI. So on the pitching side... Uh, Omar Cruz, kind of a lower-level prospect. He's part of the Josh Bell trade that netted us Will Crow. He is on that team. Uh, he pitched two games, netted a win in one of them. 3.2 innings, only allowed one run so far. 2.45 ERA. And Quinn Priester is also on that team. 
find his stats. Um, he's had two games that he started, eight innings, four earned runs allowed, but uh, has struck out eight. So K through nine, currently at nine. Interesting to see uh, that top prospect continuing to develop down in Surprise, where they're facing pretty good competition. Everyone's sending their top prospects to this if they need work. And we've got, as we mentioned before, Davis, Gonzalez, Priesters down there. Gorski was supposed to go, but injury, I think a week or so ago, I think may have deterred that a bit. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me to hear, especially for a lot of the guys you listed that missed time. People will get a little bit extra and get to the majors maybe that much quicker. Um, very good opportunity for those guys, especially Priester, who I would hope to see, preferably next season. But we'll see. I think it's pretty likely. He's not going to start the year with the Pirates. No. But he should be there at some point. Yeah. So probably around mid-season, we'll be seeing him up there. I swear there's more guys that they had up there. Oh, Blake Sable is apparently also on the team. I guess he hasn't Oh, had... good. Yeah, Sable. Jacob Gonzalez is that Rule 5 pick yes. that we got from the Giants this past offseason. So Sable's another Tom... one. I could see him coming up very quickly. Probably as a DH, but as a very good DH. Yeah, he could potentially be an outfielder. He is another lefty bat, but uh, mm. I, I think if he ends up being like a DH slash backup catcher, yeah, I don't, I don't love him as a catcher. He's his his caught stealing percentage is like four, so we're in uh, like Barajas level danger there. Good times. Oh yeah. So let's check in on our Stargell Stars for this past week. Final week of the season, offensive player giving it to Jack Sawinski because the rookie finished really strong, posting a 375, 583, 750 triple slash with a home run and a 4-2 walk-to-strikeout ratio in a three-game series. We're starting to see him, as I said earlier, take more pitches, getting a better eye for the plate. The big thing that I felt was a problem for him earlier this season was that he wasn't walking enough, striking out too much. We're seeing that flip-flopping at least this past week and, and um, past two or so weeks, I think, is really showing up. Hopefully that mm-hmm. continues into next season now that he's got, you know, full season in the pros under his belt, in the bigs under his belt, and he continued to develop from there. Starting pitcher, giving it to Mitch Keller. None of the starters were great last week, but Keller still putting together solid starts, even when he's struggling, finishing with a five-inning outing, allowing two runs on six hits with two walks, a hit batter, and five strikeouts. Lowered a season ERA to 3.91, down from a season high of 6.61 on May 13th, with a 2.20 ERA over his last seven starts to end the season. Really awesome to see. Like I said, big surprise that he's been able to Finally put it all together, showing some of the process when he was a top prospect just a few years ago. And finally, for the bullpen, Stargell star Manny Benuelos. Small sample size, but he had 2.2 clean innings across two games last week, allowing just one hit and one walk against five strikeouts. I recently read that a number of years ago, Mariano Rivera said that 
Banuelos was one of the best prospects he had ever seen. We certainly see promise of that. It's possible he at least starts next season out of the pen with the Bucks. We certainly need some left-handed pitchers there. Don't really have too many options internally. Love how he is still able to put things together. So, Steve, any thoughts on those guys? Uh, no, my, I definitely agree with, you know, Keller grinding through that. Benuelos looking very good. Uh, for Zawinski, I'll also add several of those walks were against lefty pitching. Yep. We're, you know, coming in to try to get him out. So it's it's good to see him as well as Cruz getting those at-bats, getting some experience against lefty pitching, and still putting solid at-bats. Yeah, so, big thing. Big thing with Cruz and Sawinski is facing lefties. The lefties would go with a slider against them, and they would just swing over it three times in a row. Mm-hmm. Both of them have shown improvements over the course of you know the past two months, I'd say, where they're yep. able to identify and lay off those pitches and, and be able to wait for something that they're able to drive. So, yep, definitely agree on that. Awesome to see. And uh, looking ahead to the offseason, as we've mentioned previously, we will be going to biweekly episodes this offseason. So the next episode will be on October 23rd. We will be discussing fall leagues, winter leagues, trade signings as they occur, as well as providing stories of interest when and where we can find them. If you are interested in joining us for an episode to talk pirates, please DM me on Twitter at 412DoublePlay, as we love talking pirates with anyone and everyone. That wraps it up for us here at 412 Double Play Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at 412 Double Play. Continue listening to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. From all of us here at 412 Double Play Podcast, thank you for joining us. Let's go, Bucks. Let's go, Bucks.